Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Meinke, Lions beat writer for MLive, joined as always by Big Ben Raven. Coming off the bye week, Ben, we got a, a mailbag on tap. A lot of questions, as you can imagine, coming out of the trade deadline and ramping back up um, to the game this week in Los Angeles against the Chargers. We'll both be out there. Yeah. Um, plus, we got a little interview coming up on the back end of this podcast with uh, Graham Glasgow, the uh, versatile interior offensive lineman who's been all over the place this year, but he's now uh, anchored <laughs> as the, the starting right guard going forward. Uh, it's always nice to catch up with. Graham. Absolutely. He's near He's near the top of the Pro Football Focus leaderboard, and he's yeah. at the top of the Dungeon of Doom <laughs> leaderboard in appearances. <laughs> um, yeah, well, like I told Graham, his certificate's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben, I guess before we dive in, um, thoughts on the Lions going into the Chargers game? I mean, the, the, this team is 6-2. and two. You know, they play 17 games now, but we're at the halfway point-ish yeah. of the season. How has your outlook maybe changed for Detroit? Like, what do you think heading here into the back half of the season? I went from thinking this was a no-doubt playoff team, contender in the division, to truly believing this is one of the three best teams in the NFC. You know, I really think they're one of the three best teams in the NFC. And they have an inside track to really, really gain on the Eagles here with their tough schedule. I mean, I'm not discounting the Eagles at all, but that is a tough, tough schedule. And I mean, I'm not discounting the Chargers at all, but the Lions should win this game. And Vegas has kind of reflected that too. The Lions opened as like underdogs, and now they've shot up to three-point favorites, which is pretty heavy for a road team. But uh, I'm up, man. I'm up. They've exceeded expectations, and I'm not doubting them anytime now. I this is a, They've got a real chance here to grab that one spot. The thing is, Ben, they're six and two and in first place in the north by uh, a nice margin. I know that the Vikings have won four in a row, but I'm still yeah. not buying on them without a quarterback, basically. And the Lions, they haven't played their best ball. They've missed a lot of guys due to injuries. They played the last game without the entirety of their interior offensive line. <laughs> you know, they haven't had both of their running backs in a month. Amon Ross St. Brown missed a game. He just played his last game through apparently blisters all over his hands and feet. <laughs> um, I mean, the the toll this team has taken uh, in the first half is substantial, and it's the that was the toughest part of their schedule. Yep. And they're six and two. I mean, they emerged relatively unscathed. I know that they got scathed a little bit in Baltimore, <laughs> but everyone's going to have a game like that. They are six and two, and yeah, I think the Chargers will be a, a decent challenge for them. I think they should win that game. But after that, the Bears, the Packers, 
the Saints, the Bears, the Broncos, the Vikings. Like there's it's it's nothing but green grass in front of them, especially compared to to Philly. Um, I don't have their schedule in yeah. front of me, but it's like Kansas City, two games against Dallas. Um I know they have five straight games now against winning teams on you know, over the next five weeks. And so I think this is a, a, a great <laughs> yeah. opportunity. Um, yeah, you just pulled it up. Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, uh, at Cowboys, at Seahawks. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a joke. It's a, it's a gauntlet, yeah. a bit of a gauntlet. And I think they'll win a bunch of those games. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, that could beat up any team. While the Lions are fully healthy, you know, everyone was on the practice field this week. Um, yeah. And getting guys back just as they head into the easiest part of their schedule. I, I just think that this is lining up for January football at Ford Field, and maybe not just one game either. Yeah, and it just really lined up perfectly coming out of the bye week, like you said. Jackson, Ragno on track to play. Montgomery on track to play. Just like getting your reinforcements back, coming out of the bye week healthy. That's that's and Dan Campbell said it before we went into the break. Like this is the perfect spot for a bye week. I think in recent years it's been much earlier than this. So I mean just dead set in the middle. Yeah, man. It's uh like you said, geez, it's hard not to see six wins down the stretch if at the very least. Yeah, I predicted twelve <laughs> wins at the outset of the season, Ben. And that's I'm very I, I'm wondering if I undershot it. <laughs> Me too. I was at eleven and I'm like, my God, I might be three games <laughs> off on this team. <laughs> and they've got some some help on the way. Mm-hmm. Um and I know it wasn't the um pass rusher or cornerback that anyone wanted at the trade deadline, but they did trade for Donovan Peoples Jones. So let's kind of dive into the mailbag. There were some questions about that kind of stuff. First, let's let's I guess let's take on the the negative, which is they didn't get uh, the edge rusher or cornerback a, a piece to help the defense, which has been stretched pretty thin. Uh, David Qualls asks, uh, can you make an argument that Brad Holmes dropped the ball and missed a great opportunity at the deadline to add some pieces, especially on the defensive side? Do, do you think Brad dropped the ball? I don't think he dropped the ball because I mean we said it. I mean we said it exactly how it went down it was like if they don't do a cornerback or edge move it'll be a mid-round wide receiver Denzel Mems type grab and that's exactly what happened so I don't think it's a dropped ball I guess I would have felt better about them but I mean we just sat here and said this is a maybe 13 or 14 win team so we're obviously not too low on them I, I think that's a little too hot on the wording there but yeah man some help at cornerback would have definitely helped this group because they're one injury away from being in trouble and I do think that's a question coming up too but yeah I, I'm not ready to call it dropping the ball because they they added to a spot of need of outside vertical athletic wide receiver with range I just feel like as I sit here today in this chair in Helen Park <laughs> in a little soundproof room that I'm not really in a position to question what they do at this point exactly. I, I feel like Brad Holmes has a track record and Okay, yeah, like Levi Anzarike, it's not going well. You know, no. uh, Jamison Williams, for what, you know, what they invested in him, mm-hmm. not going well to this point. Um, yeah. But there have been so many hits from the top of the draft with, you know, Hutchinson and Sewell to the bottom of the draft with guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, and like I think about the trade deadline last year too, they traded away Hawkinson. They were struggling, and I like, to me it looked like they were waving the white flag. And Brad mm-hmm. Holmes comes out a couple of days later and says, "You know, like this is you know we're not waving the white flag. This we felt like this made our team better, and they scored more points without Hawkinson. Yeah. Won a bunch of games. Obviously, I, I think they were really proven right on that. And then they go out in this draft. They trade back in the first round to take Jimmy Gibbs, who." I mean, everyone saw what he did in his last game. Yeah. And they picked up a draft pick in that trade back to add Sam Laporta, who 
is already <laughs> going into whatever, whatever, whatever week this is um, at the half point of the season. He's already the like most prolific rookie tight end in franchise yeah. history. And he's one of the m- most productive tight ends in the league. And so I, I just, Ben, I, I'm not smart <laughs> enough to sit here and say, Oh yeah. Like Brad Holmes made a mistake. Like, Yes, of course. My like, I can see the same football everyone yeah. else is seeing. A, a corner would help a lot. An edge rusher would help a lot. But we don't know who is genuinely available. We don't know what the price tags were. If they were something obscene, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing they were. And this has always been, we're building for the long haul in Detroit. And when you look at like, yeah, they're winning a bunch of games, but they're so young. They're like one of the five eight youngest teams in the league in terms of like the average age of a snap played. Um, I don't have the number in front of me, but it's one of the youngest teams in the league. You've got all the nucleus wrapped up for a number of years. You do have stuff on the horizon with Goff and St. Brown and so on, but this is a team that the window is just opening and yes, it'd be nice to have another piece for that competition and the, for the playoffs in, Mm -hmm. in January. I mean, of course, but at what cost? And we don't know what that cost was. And um, given, you know, just how many moves they've made that got them to this point in just three seasons um, and with a lot of daylight ahead, their best years ahead. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine saying Brad Holmes probably did what was right. Yeah. And I think the outside perception looking in sees like we talked about when the Rams were contending, they were trading picks for players, but the Rams and the lions are not at the same spot when those deals were going down the Rams, like you just said, one of the youngest rosters in the league. The Rams were a veteran-led team at that point with established players, established veterans. So, I mean, they saw their window. Their window was, hey, we got these guys at the top of their game for the next two years. Let's go get some stars to boost this win-now window. The Lions are built for the long haul right now. And, I mean, while I do eventually see Holmes probably getting a more aggressive down the line as this continues – you just laid it out. They've built this. I mean, they have found role players. They have found starters. They have found stars in the draft. He has built this top to bottom through the draft and just, it's not there yet. So like you said, I'm not about to start second guessing that guy. The Lions are six and two and driver's seat in the freaking division with green grass in front of them. So what they're doing is working. And I mean, maybe they got more faith in the guys behind Jerry Jacobs and Cam Sutton than we do. And maybe they have injury updates that we don't have. <laughs> Raymond Nuznoff wants to know, well, not trading for a cornerback mm-hmm. specifically, come back to bite the Lions. I feel like if Sutton or Jacobs misses times, uh, misses time, uh, the Lions are in trouble. I, I think it's possible. We've already seen Jacobs miss a game, and that forced Will Harris out there. And I thought Will Harris played okay in that game in Baltimore. Yeah. He wasn't great, but he was far from the worst. The worst thing, on, <laughs> the worst thing on the field. In, oh my goodness, I still don't know quite what I saw. Um, <laughs> but like. Yeah, sure. And I think Sutton's been a really steady player out there. He's not a star. None of his numbers are popping in the league. But, like, he's also, like, coming out of every game, you're never saying Cam Sutton was the problem out there. Like, he's really mm-hmm. held his own. thought he's done some really good work against some pretty good receivers uh, the past few weeks. One of those guys goes down. I mean, yeah, like with Emmanuel Mosley on the shelf for the year, um, yeah. you got some issues out there. But, again, like, I think to get – you know, a Sertan or whatever, it was going to cost a first round pick and then some. And with the window opening, Ben, I just don't know if they were in a position really to take on a guy to have to pay him a bunch of money when you could like go out there and have a rookie contract for the next five years and have a guy that, you know, another Jameer Gibbs, an, another yeah. um, Aiden Hutchinson, another Panay Sewell, these kind of first round picks that are, have really played some good ball for Detroit. 
Yeah, and cornerback is a pricey position because I think it was even Butler from Green Bay, the cornerback, last year of his contract gets traded to Buffalo. That cost a third-round pick. Those are valuable to Brad Holmes. And obviously, you look at the Eagles with Smith and Brown, you look at the Niners with Ayuk and Samuel, and you look at the Cowboys with freaking C.D. Lamb going off the way he can. It's obviously it could come back to bite them, but, like, I don't know. That just goes back to what we just said. I'm not, not not about to start doubting them now. Obviously, it's a point of concern, but they like what they got. They like what they got, and I'm not about to start doubting them now. Aaron DeFilippo from Claiborne, Texas, asks, um, so first of all, Ben, uh, the Lions did Sam Pat on defense, but they also got some help on offense with the trade for Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah. Um, Michiganders, Detroiters know this guy. He was a legend at Cass Tech, which is like five miles from where we're sitting right now. Yep. It's a couple blocks down the down the street from Ford Field. Uh, was like a top 10 player ever, by the way. I, I was writing a story about him. I found that he was a top 10 recruit ever out of the state of Michigan. Um, went to went to Michigan. Uh, was a pretty good player there. Yeah. Uh, drafted by the Browns, uh, had a good season last year. This year, he has not had a particularly good season. He was in the block. The Lions traded for him. Um, so Aaron DeFilippo asks, uh, will Donovan Peoples-Jones play this weekend? Uh, I, may, I mean, he is um, a veteran, so he might see, you know, might need less time learning the offense, right? Should we expect to see him play? I guess, what are your expectations for people's uh, people's Jones going into, I guess, this game, but also in the second half of the season? Like, how, how does he factor into this offense? I would hope he eventually takes Antoine Green's 30-plus reps a game, you know, and probably he's probably going to cut into some of Jamo's reps, too, just because, I mean, dependability. I mean, people's Jones wasn't involved in that Cleveland passing attack much this year, but... The Browns have had some of the worst quarterback play, no matter who's been under center for them this year. They got Amari Cooper, yeah, just dreadful in Cleveland this year. So I have a hard time blaming him this year. But he's he's been a pretty productive wide receiver, 1,400, 1,500 yards over the last two years combined, not including this year. I mean, really a field-stretching guy who Ben Johnson and the Lions hope can help fix some of those red zone issues. And, I mean, I don't I don't think yeah. that's just wordplay either. I mean, this guy is a vertical threat. He is what they tried to get in Denzel Mims, a physical, tall, lanky, strong receiver with some vertical ability. So, yeah, I think I, – I, I don't know what to expect this weekend. I think the bye week maybe could help him see some the field this weekend and maybe get 15, 20 reps. But, I mean, he's he's not going to supplant a Reynolds or a Raymond, I don't think, in terms of snap counts. But this this is a – legit addition here. I, I really do think it is, and he, he's dependable. I mean, J-Mo leads the league in drops. Donovan Peoples-Jones has never dropped more than five passes in a season, so I think... J-Mo really leads the league in drops? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. When we were doing our midseason grades, I sorted drops, all <laughs> positions, pro football yeah. focus, and he was tied with three others. Yeah. We've chewed on the J-Mo thing quite a bit. I, I think uh, there's not, not much new to be said at this point. No. Um, but I think the trade itself for Peoples-Jones shows the low level of confidence they have in J-Mo as it relates to this yeah. year. And exactly. I think everyone is still thrilled with the skill set and the speed, and they're hoping to, to make the most of it. But listen, they, they you know, Amon Ross St. Brown is a stud in the slot. Josh Reynolds is a very good complimentary piece on the perimeter. But beyond that, they have nothing by way of reliability at receiver. Um, you know, Khalif Raymond's done some nice yeah. things, but he's more of a gadget guy. And he's 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 a small guy. He's he's really at his best in the in space, in the backfield, in the slot. 
that kind of thing. When it comes to the perimeter and having size and, and uh, strength, um, posing one-on-one matchup problems. I mean, you mentioned the red zone. They've had significant red zone issues. Yeah. One of the reasons is the lack of um, size, somebody who can make plays down there in the in the compressed areas of the red zone. And listen, they they wanted JMO to step up this season when he came back from the suspension and were hoping for the best. And JMO just has not I – mean, he he's just not there. Yeah. And you mentioned the drops, but it's not just the drops. When you watch him play, he's clearly not on the same page yep. with Jared Goff. There's clearly miscommunication issues, route issues, yes. which even – and this is not even us talking. This is Dan Campbell talking. Yep. They want better routes, more more clean routes. You know, this Ben Johnson offense is very particular when it comes to receivers. And it's not just, hey, you run a, a slant. It's it like it's timed out. It's precision offense. Um, that's why I'm on Ross St. Brown gets open all the time, which is just yep. crazy, <laughs> by the yep. way. Uh, everyone knows where the ball is going on third down and he still is, is open. And it's because yeah. he ri- runs precise routes. Mm-hmm. And that's the opposite of JMO at this point in his career. And you see it all over the tape. So it's really hard to trust a guy like that. And when you have so much to play for this year, which the Lions do, but you've lost Marvin Jones, you don't really have a third wide out that's consistent mm-hmm. in any kind of way. Getting a guy like Peoples Jones, you know, he, he's not going to blow up the stat sheet, but he's going to eat snaps for you. Uh, he's going to be a weapon for you in the red zone where they've really struggled. I think they're one of their last, I don't know, eight or nine or something like that over the last couple of games. Um, it's been a struggle, and that's how he fits into this offense, I think. Yeah. He, he's not going to lead the offense, but he's a good role player with really, really good measurables. Uh, uh, you know, As St. Brown said this week, like he told Peoples Jones, like, bro, like how, how <laughs> yeah. heavy are you? And Peoples Jones says he's 210, and St. Brown is like, bro, you look like you're 230. You, you're swole. <laughs> like, yeah. It was just like, such a good quote, but he is. He's cut. Uh, he is fast. Um He's going to give a dimension of a flavor to this offense that they were lacking with Marvin Jones clearly not mm. playing well even before the exit and then JMO just not stepping up. Yeah, I think you can look to like how Zay Jones has helped Jacksonville's offense over the last two years. He's not Kelvin Ridley. He's not Christian Kirk. He's not Evan Ingram, but he's usually the guy getting those big red zone targets. So like he's not going to eat all the targets. He's not going to eat all the snaps, but he can kind of feast for you that way. And just before the Cape squad comes for me, JMO is second in the league in drops after the bye week last week. He's got five. Hill and Puka have six, you know, but still 45.5% drop rate is worse than the league by quite a great deal. Shout out to the DOD research team for yeah, bringing right. that to our, <laughs> AKA Google. Um. <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Let's move on. B.L. Thornton wants to know, will Ben Johnson be able to craft effective plays with both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery in the backfield, or will it be more gadget plays? Mm. So, Ben, we, you know, David Montgomery has played really well this season. He's clearly the pounder between the tackles um, that Detroit has always wanted, and they got some version of it with Jamal Williams last year. I think Montgomery's taken that whole thing to a different level this year. He's been a very effective player out there when healthy. Uh, but he's missed games because of injuries. 
that's given Jameer Gibbs some time to play, and he blew up last you know last week that you know before the bye against Las Vegas. But he's had his own injuries. It, it's been a month since we've seen those guys on the field wow. together. Yeah. It's crazy for games five weeks since we've seen Gibbs and Montgomery in uniform together. So that's going to happen this week in LA. What are your expectations for how the Lions deploy um, those guys? I would, I, I, there's on one hand, it's like, yeah, they should probably split the carries to mirror 152 yards, 315 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns in the last two games. But like, it's so easy for me to picture a world where Montgomery steps right back into his 20 plus carry role kind of role in that backfield. But like the rest of you guys, I'm I'm ready to see those split backfields. I'm ready to see those guys share the field at the same time. I'm ready to see what we got a taste of in training camp and the offseason mm-hmm. program because Jameer has really proven himself as a reliable receiving option. I mean, even in that Baltimore game, he saw a buttload of targets and did did well with them. Did the same last week uh, on Monday Night Football too. So I think you just have to find ways to get them on the field at the same time. They're such different players, and they are two of the best options on this offense they're two of the best weapons on this offense but i mean it's not going to be just the gibbs show or the montgomery show i do think montgomery is going to dominate the carries traditional carries but i do think it's absolutely time to get gibbs more involved in the passing attack with or without number five in there or not did you really say buttload i said buttload yeah i did (laughs) it's so natural i didn't even think about it very comfortable saying that's another m live first shout out ben raven um (laughs) it reminds me of that scene from rookie of the year but it's like holy uh funky butt loving i don't know it's yeah i watched that movie way too much as a kid yeah shout out henry rodengard um No, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I think there's there's ways to get them out there together, and I, yeah. it's not really a like under Ben Johnson, the Lions really have not deployed many two running back sets. But I think that time has arrived. We yeah. saw some flavors of it uh, in training camp. We aren't, you know, we can't really say too much about you know specific formations, but we saw it. Uh, wink, wink. <laughs> and I think that those times are coming, and it helps that Gibbs can play in the slot. He can line up in space wherever he can run. Routes. Like you said, he's been fairly reliable as a pass catcher. Yeah. I think where he came along more slowly was on the ground, and we've seen huge gains. Um, I, I thought he played pretty well late against Baltimore. I think he was also playing against a pretty soft defense in a blowout game. Uh, you know, I was a little hesitant to say that there was a breakthrough happening, but he yeah. proved me wrong. I mean, he, like he really he he was so good against Las Vegas. Uh, it's been too long since that game, so I don't have the yeah, credits in front of me. But he had like 160 <laughs> yards or so total. Um, he he's so fast, and I think when he came in, Ben, I was really expecting him just to be that home run hitter, that you know DeAndre Swift, if you will, to to David Montgomery. But I think Dan Campbell's right when Dan Campbell says that Jameer Gibbs has more in him than just being some slasher type. That's mm-hmm. what Swift was. He was only going to be a slasher. That like he, running between the tackles was never his thing. And I think Gibbs has shown more toughness an ability between the tackles, uh, getting north and south, then I really gave him credit for. And it'll be, I, I, mean, I don't, I, I think his touches and, and playing time will go down inevitably with Montgomery yeah. back, but you're going to see both those guys play and you're going to see them play together. I'm, I'm really fascinated to see now that you've seen the rise of yeah. Gibbs, how Ben Johnson deploys those, those two guys, because it gives you so many options. And Gibbs is, I mean, like he has forced a lot of missed tackles when he handles the role. He did it in Kansas City. He did it against the Raiders. I think he had something like seven forced missed tackles on Monday Night Football. So it's just, you can't keep him off the field. You can't keep Montgomery off the field because he, I've just, 
never seen a free agent fit exactly what a team wants to be about as well as he has when he's on the field. So it's just, yeah, it's time. Let let those guys go. <laughs> We're running a little short on time, so I'm kind of scrolling through the, the questions. Um, we did get one from Igor Petronovich. Solid, solid name. I just had, had to say that name. Um, when was the last time you checked Tankathon? Do you follow mock drafts? And should the Lions draft a wide receiver in the first round? I just, we don't have to get on it. Like, we don't have to dwell. I just thought that was a clever question because clearly this is the time of year where we usually are like, okay, where are the Lions in the draft order? Yeah. Who are they going to take? Uh, and I don't want to like spoil, spoil anyone's day, Ben. But receivers kind of a sneaky need. Yeah, uh, I don't. I haven't looked far enough ahead to know what the options are in the draft. But like that is going to be a top need for them with um, the current state of affairs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've checked NBA Tankathon more recently than NFL Tankathon. But I would, I would target interior defender, cornerback, wide receiver. Top three needs sounds familiar. Can you imagine an interior defender? Alongside Ali McNeil. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I sometimes, like, I know Jameer Gibbs is playing well, but I do think sometimes, like, when oh, I'm laying God. my head down to sleep at night, <laughs> I'm, I just think about Jalen Carter lining up next to Ali McNeil with Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, oof. Uh, no doubt. You know, Gibbs is, is, is a good player. And Laporta, by the way, who's headed in that trade, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very, very good player. It, it's hard to really um, quibble. Uh, but man, but man, Jalen Carter in a Lions uniform. Okay. <laughs> Um, let's t- let's do a little more JMO talk because uh, no one can get enough of that. Um, Justin Daniels asks, curious if you had an opinion on Herman Moore's recent comments about the way the Lions are using JMO and ways the Lions could better de- deploy JMO and set him up for success. Um, for those who missed it, basically Herman Moore, former Lions great, was saying the Lions should do more short stuff, uh, easy stuff to get JMO involved, uh, set him up for you know more success, get him into a better better rhythm rather than just sending him down the field um, for a bunch of flies. What are your thoughts on those comments? On one hand, I agree with him, but on the other, I just, you it's hard to trust him when bullets are flying over the middle. It's hard to trust him in traffic. It's hard to trust him when he's hearing somebody coming, as he did on that Monday night. Was it the Monday night game where he had that drop going towards the pylon? I can't remember what it was. It was a recent game, and it's just... I mean, I thought the same too. Get him in those fast motion looks. Get him on those crossers. But I just, you got to figure something out. I, I, I do think, but I, I think it's hard to, I think it's hard to trust him in more intricate routes on the inside where it's the risk is higher if the ball bounces off your mitts. Well, and the, the importance of precision goes up. I know that everyone thinks, oh, it's five yard route is yeah. going to get Jamo more involved. It's going to be easier to catch. I mean, like the ball might be easier to catch, but it places more emphasis on the, running the right route, reading the right keys. Are you inside leverage with the with the cornerback? Are you outside leverage? Is it man zone? Like making these kind of like uh, snap decisions that are clockwork for a guy yeah. like I'm on Ross St. Brown. And you hear all the time Jared Goff talking about how they're on the same page. That's what they're talking about. They're 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 reading the defense the same way, interpreting it the same way. And so when Amon Ross is coming out of his break, Jared Goff knows precisely when and where to throw the football. It yes. just it 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 breeds the comfort that you see in that relationship. Um, even when Amon Ra is getting double teamed, which you're seeing a lot more of these days. With JMO, it's the opposite. Like, we've already addressed it. Like the route running is not great. Um, he doesn't always run the right route. He's not always reading the defense the right way. He's running a, a 10 yard out when he goes 13 yards. And so Jared Goff throws the, the ball into nowhere. It looks like a bad pass by Goff, but really it's a blown assignment by mm-hmm. JMO. We've seen we've seen that kind of stuff repeatedly. So I agree with Herman. Like getting 
um, J-Mo more involved, um, getting his hands on the football would help. Yeah. But it also requires the player to play better than he has and to ha- to earn more trust than he has right now from golf and the coaching staff. And I think that's one reason why we see J-Mo running 40-yard flies every other play because at least that's taking advantage of his superpower, which is his speed, and hopefully the hands catch up to it. Yeah, it's just it, – it's tough. I mean, they're 6-2. and two. They're trying to win now. Yeah, you want to develop them. You want to give them opportunities, and they're going to. I mean, they should, and they're going to, but, like, it's – it's it's hard to count on him for that kind of stuff. And I guess uh, I don't want to rag on him too hard. I still think the future could be yeah. pretty bright. I mean, he's just has that stuff that you can't teach. But right now, I can't count on him. Right now, I can't count on him. I, I don't even think we're ragging on him. This is just, no. These are just facts. Like The, mm-hmm. the fact is, is that he's a super, super talented player with superhero speed who is not trusted right now in the offense because he's not running the right routes or running the right definition of the routes. Um, <sighs> and... Yes, there are the issues with the drops too. So lots to build on. The lines are working on it. <laughs> but sure. I think, for again, sure. the trade for Peoples-Jones shows, hey. We need help. The, the Lions believe they needed help. Yeah. And, and they were hoping Jamo would step into that void. And he, Listen, he's a 12th overall pick yes, like halfway yes. through his second year. And I know he has not. He spent a lot of time hurt or suspended. But he's a 12th overall pick. You would expect more by now. And the Lions haven't gotten it. And with everything they have to play for this season, they were like fortifying their depth and I think that makes a lot of sense let's get to uh, the interview shall we we're running a little long right now and Graham Glasgow is um better at talking than either of us so he's great <laughs> he is. I, and his story and i wish we would have gotten into it in the interview we were talking about it off air after that <laughs> it's cla- classic reporter stuff we were so um, bummed out about that but we turned off the reporter and we just kept, kept talking to graham and like he just has this wonderful story as a walk-on at michigan in 2011 when i was covering michigan by the way and i don't like he was so far down the depth chart that i don't even remember him being on the team and it's literally my job to know everyone in that team and he's told me before like yeah i take no offense i wish <laughs> like the offensive coordinator at Michigan back then thought he was never going to play it down in Michigan. He literally told Graham Glasgow that. And Graham Glasgow becomes like a multi-year starter at Michigan, you know, draft pick in Detroit. And all these years later, he's back in Detroit and playing good football. And he, he lost a camp battle. You'll hear about that. Yep. It was disappointing, but he's playing really good ball now. And he's solidified as the right te- uh, the right guard in, in Detroit going forward. Um, so let's get to that. Graham Glasgow. We are out, out here in the uh, indoor practice field with none other than Graham Glasgow, third time guest of DOD, yeah. which I believe is the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, you overtook Dan Miller's, uh, <laughs> the, the tie at the top with Dan Miller, so that's pretty elite company. I appreciate it. Thanks, boys. <laughs> yeah, the certificate's in the mail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> you're a, a busy man these days. I know how much you're just thrilled to talk to the media, so thank you for taking the time uh, with us again. Um, but I wanted to catch up with you because, obviously, you know, you came here to compete. I remember talking to you when you signed here, and you're like, I'm not afraid of competition, despite all those guys that were up there. And you lost the, the competition in camp, and now here you are. You've played really good football over the last not, couple of months, I mean, really since week, uh, week two. Right guard, left guard, center. <laughs> We've talked to a bunch of your teammates about how difficult that challenge is. But I wanted to catch up with you and just hear from you what this season, the first half of the season's been like, starting on the bench, which was an obvious disappointment, and then bouncing from position to position to position and, and doing it at a very high level. Um, I mean, the beginning of the season, I was pretty upset and I was disappointed. And, I mean, I thought that I 
I mean, it doesn't really matter because it's like kind of whatever now, but like I thought I did do enough to win and that wasn't the case. So as I said, I was pretty pissed, but <laughs> uh, I, ended up, the honesty. I, ended up, I ended up being able to play in like week two and uh, not the best like situation to come into. Like, you know, when like I think I was in for like three plays and then there was a pick six and I'm like, Jesus Christ, we we're going to have to do just like two minutes the whole rest of the game. Um, and then, I mean, ever since then, like, I mean, I think that it's been really, you know, it's been good to go out there and play and it's been great to play with like, you know, it's been really great playing with Frank and uh, Panay in between those guys mostly. I mean, those yeah. guys are great players, so it makes things a lot easier for me. Yep. And I mean, winning winning games has been awesome in general. <laughs> you <laughs> know, it's, right yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's been a revelation of sorts. But I mean, this is the best start of your career, by the way. I looked it up. Just yeah, win loss record. I mean, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably not close. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, other than that, like the the switching of positions and stuff that. It's not very fun. I didn't. I don't really like doing it. I would rather just have played one. But I mean, it it was what it was, and I had to do what I had to do. So, yeah. I mean, it, it ended up okay. I mean, I played all right, but uh, yeah. I mean, I I would have rather not did it. But I mean, with that being said, it's good yeah. to be able to do it if you need to. It's a difficult balance, isn't it? Because like what you're able to do at you know playing at a high level across positions, like that's extremely valuable to any team, and especially a team like Detroit, which has had a ton of injuries, particularly on the interior. But for you as a player, you know, you might have your favorite position to play. You're bouncing around. You can't settle in anywhere. You can't like get rhythm. Like even in training camp, you're trying to win the right guard job, but you're spending half your time at center. Like those are difficult challenges for you on an individual level. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, just and it comes down to a lot of like, and it even just is like how your body works. Like I, I mean, when you're playing right guard a lot, and even center, like it's just it's just more about like how your hips are working, what like what feet are anchoring, which feet is usually posting, and a lot of times it just makes things awkward. Like, it, and it's not even like it, it is. It's hard in the sense that it makes things... I mean, it's not like it's, like, physically taxing, but it just makes things, like, weird to have to, like, go back and forth between those things. But, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully I don't have to do it. But anyway. <laughs> You're being this honest with us about it. I imagine this coaching staff and you had these conversations too i mean what was their feedback when you're openly pissed off about something but performing at the level and kind of having to do it i mean what are those conversations like um well i mean the the left guard one was more about like they wanted to they said that they wanted to put the five best out there with jonah being out and i understood it i mean i didn't like it um but that was just kind of the way that things had gone about and uh, I mean, I'm not going to tell you guys exactly how what I said, yes. but um, <laughs> this is a family. I wasn't. I wasn't program. happy, but I did do it. So, and then when it came down to playing the center thing, I mean, I've played a lot of center yeah. Yeah. in the past. Like, and, and I mean, I think the last time I had played left guard was like 2017, before I played it like three weeks ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I I had more recently played center, so I was a little bit more comfortable doing that. But. Um, but there is, as I said, just a little bit of, like, mental gymnastics and awkward feet stuff. <laughs> body body weight, body weight, like, you know, balance yeah. feet and, like, which hands you're using more often than yeah. not. And I mean, yeah, but I forgot kind of what the question was, but that's uh, what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with that. <laughs> Something about conversation with coaches, I think. Yeah. When we ended there, it's, it's, uh, we took a whole journey. Yeah, we came back full, full circle, I guess.
Um, you spent a long time here, four, four years. Um, I know you wanted to stay here, but that didn't work out with um, the last guys. And you wanted to come back to, to Southeast Michigan um, where your family started. You wanted to play with your friends. I mean, you were roommates with Taylor Decker yeah. um, when you first uh, went, were a rookie here. Uh, you play with Frank Rag now. I guess now that you're half a season in, what what has it been like coming back to Michigan, playing with those guys again? You're winning a lot of games too. I'm sure that helps. What what has that experience been like playing in Detroit? You know, back in Detroit. It's just felt like in like a business where like a lot of things are like vary a lot, and like I feel like year to year and like com- composition of the team or guys who you're around with. It's felt very familiar, which is, and, and that also comes down to like being around Ben Johnson and also Hank. Mm-hmm. Um, it's felt very familiar and it's felt um, in, in that sense it's like I feel like you don't really get that a lot a lot of times it feels like kind of foreign yeah. especially if you're you know you're ending a stint in one place trying to find somewhere new I mean I feel like that doesn't really happen very often so uh, that's probably what I would say most first and foremost yeah you um, were you had Ben Johnson on staff when at the end of your first stint in Detroit when he was tight ends coach. Obviously now he's offensive coordinator. He's been really coordinated for the work that he's done since taking over last year. Um, he's been talked about as one of the hottest uh, head coaching candidates and that kind of thing. He's pretty good looking. He's, he sounds good too. I'm not going to comment on the, on the appearance. Um, oh, I, oh, okay. He, yeah, he, I think uh, you said hottest, but... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. I was a little I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm curious how you've seen Ben Johnson transform you know since you first worked with him and now you're back and he's taken over the offense the work he's done I'm when I was what you've seen. well when I was first here I mean well it seems like a lot of the transformation took place when I was gone but when I first was here I think he we I think uh you know Patricia fired I can't even remember who he fired like a few weeks into the season and then they brought Ben in mm-hmm. and me and Ben would just like we would chat quite a bit about things we did not like about what we were doing yeah. And we were usually in agreement like 99% of the time. And I was like, damn, like Ben kind of the homie. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I left and then he ended up, you know, staying and, mm. you know, climbing the coaching ladder a little bit, you know, doing his thing. And uh, it's been really great to see him be able to succeed mm. in a place where a lot of, you know, a lot of coaches usually come here and then end up getting demoted. Right. At least that's what had used to happen. Right? <laughs> yeah. So being able to that. Yeah, being able to watch him do that is pretty neat anything uh, in particular that you guys talked about or saw that you guys didn't like about how things were being done back in the day that you recall there was a lot mm. <laughs> there was a lot <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even want to get into specifics but there was yeah. uh yeah as i said it was yeah. it was a lot of things well obviously everything is different since you've come back yeah culturally schematics personnel i mean any way that you can be football different in football you guys are i'm curious what that has been like i asked you that too when you first came in but you were like in the in the door for five seconds or something so now that you've been around for a few months what changes how does it feel being back here in a totally different environment i guess it feels good i mean i think that there's a lot of like just in general, I feel like there's just a lot of good football being played, like mm-hmm. offensively, defensively, special teams. I feel like we just have a lot of good football players here in general. Yeah. And, um, I mean, when guys are playing good football, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like when, when the team in general is playing good football, you also, I feel like, usually play good football. Yeah. And um, it just makes everything easier. Yeah, I can imagine. 
I can wrap up with this. I'm just really curious because we never talked about it, but I think I saw online somewhere you are somehow involved with a professional gaming team or something. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, I saw it on the internet, so, you know, <laughs> yeah, it might no. be true, it might not be. I just wanted to ask you about your interest there. I know you play a lot of Fortnite, right? Well, I um, used to play Fortnite back yeah. in the day. I play a lot of Counter-Strike now, Yeah. Um, okay. but I, I'm a part owner of, like, a esports organization, Yeah. and we sent... I think well I think the best thing that we did was we sent a team to Worlds for Rocket League. Yeah. And that I don't was know what any cool. of that means, but it I sounds know Rocket great. League. I play Rocket League. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they went to they went to Worlds. I think they're working on trying to get the the uh, the logo in the game, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, and we also had like a CS:GO team for a while. Now it's CS2 because they changed the game. They came out with a new game. But um, it's been pretty cool. I mean, yeah. it's more just I, I enjoy playing, so it's kind of just something that's a little bit more yeah. of a passion yeah. project, you know. What's your participation like in something like that? I mean, is your name just on, like, I, I have no idea how this world works. Mostly so. on the checks, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's I also, like, I, I watch a lot of, like, I usually watch, like, a lot of their games. When we don't have, like, a current roster right now because a lot of it, a lot of our players ended up just getting poached the past, like, over the past, like, month. So... And that's just unfortunate. That's just kind of how stuff happens, unfortunately. But I watch. I would watch a lot of the games. I would usually give like my thoughts on like personnel because like I, I watch a lot of like professional games with that as well. So I get to see usually how like the game should be played. And I mean, I feel like I know like usually what is yeah. working, what's not working when it comes to watching. I mean, even if it is like a video game, like watching professionals play. But um, yeah, stuff like that. Interesting. Cool. Thanks, Graham. Yeah, no problem. Good stuff. Yeah, take it easy, guys. <laughs> this has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of M Live's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an M Live Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts: Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.